Score, the podcast. The only show taking you inside the studios of the world's most celebrated composers and musical storytellers. Presented by Spitfire Audio. I'm Kenny Holmes. He's Robert Kraft. Isn't that incredible? Presented by Spitfire. That's right. This is Score the Podcast. Now presented, proudly presented by Spitfire Audio. And it's an exciting day for us. It is. We had a great guest coming up, Michael Abels, who's just about as cool a composer as there is right now with his such a cool story work too. he's done with Jordan Peele. But also it's exciting because we have the leader in virtual audio as our new presentation partner, Spitfire Audio. Virtual instruments, yeah. Uh, if you're a composer listening, which a lot of our, you know, we hear from a lot of our uh, listeners on social media, aspiring composers, students of film music or orchestral music. Um, You've probably heard about Spitfire Audio, but Spitfire makes sample libraries for the world's leading film composers, including many of our guests on the show. We we talked to them and we've heard uh, even, I think, Pinar Toprak said she loves the Spitfire sound. So we, you know, these are the sounds being used by the pros and they're affordable for people to use uh, up and coming composers. They are such a great um, deal that you get because you get sounds that are recorded at Air Studios, which if you saw the film Score, a film music documentary, which we made, we actually take you inside Air Studios, mm-hmm. the beautiful studio. David Arnold takes us on a little tour and talks about James Bond and the possible ghosts that may be in the room. But <laughs> but Spitfire goes and records. Uh, they work with Hans Zimmer, of course, on creating libraries. They even have a deal with the Bernard Herrmann estate, which I think is fascinating bernard herman of course scored all the hitchcock movies so they're getting sounds from the estate and reconstructing his sounds. so it's first class and they recommend if you don't use spitfire yet the best starting point is their sound library called albion one which is a 109 piece orchestra it has a little bit of everything there's the orchestra there's synths there's percussion um so you can kind of really start to build up your professional sounding sound library with these virtual instruments you sound like a pro right away with Spitfire. That's one of the most amazing things. It's truly an incredible product. Now, don't they have a deal? That's right. They do, Robert. Thank you. Thank the you so the much. folks at Spitfire have a special offer for our listeners. Uh, so when you're checking out on SpitfireAudio.com, make sure to use the promo code SCORE to get one-third of the price off, which is a huge deal. Um, and it's only for you, our listeners. So be sure to use that promo code SCORE when you're checking out at SpitfireAudio.com to get a third off the price. And stick around after the episode today. Uh, we are going to be playing you a little example of some of the sounds that Spitfire has and uh, that you can be using. Cool. Kenny, we've got some interesting things happening this week, both in theaters and we do. on downloads. You, you were telling me earlier about Lion King. Yeah, so the Lion King soundtrack is releasing early. Um, I think originally it was supposed to come out a week later, but they're releasing the digital release on uh, July 11th, so you can kind of ramp up for the the film, which does come out on the 18th, is it, Carol? The soundtrack release is on July 11th, but the movie is going to be July 19th. Got it. So they're bringing that out a little early to get you excited. Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting, though, that I think there's only one new song which is similar, uh, I want to say Aladdin, the the reboot, the live action one, only had one or two new songs. So they're really just going to stick to what people loved and what worked. I mean, it won the Oscar, so you can't really lose. 
I think it's if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But my question is, is it eligible for an Oscar if there's only one new song and the rest is the same score kind of? I mean, I'm sure that it's going to be different in ways, but it's not like a whole new work. It's still Hans Zimmer. It's still the same people making it. My instinct is that the song will be eligible, but the score, there's going to be a probably a pretty festive dispute over what constitutes original music. In, in the Academy, you need 50% or more. I think it's 51% is what they say, original music. And if this is mostly the original score, even if it's re-recorded, there's going to be some arguing probably over how much is original and if that constitutes a uh, eligible, eligible for a nominee. But Need, I, needless to say, it's going to be good. It's going to be huge, and I think the Grammys are probably going to see a lot of Lion King this year. There's some other cool things coming up. I know Michael Giacchino is leading a panel at Comic-Con this year. It, it's an interesting topic. He's done it a few years before. It's called Musical Anatomy of a Superhero, and he's got a lot of our... Uh, Former guests, yeah, Former superhero guests. composers. That's right. Pinar is on it, who was on a few weeks ago. Benjamin Walfish, who was on. Um, Christopher Leonards, who's going to be one of our guests not very long from now. Oh, yeah. I just gave it away. Chris Leonard's Christopher coming Leonard's. up. Um, so that's going to be a great and interesting panel if you're at Comic-Con. Also, uh, we have an issue with uh, Avengers we were talking about. Avengers oh, yeah. trying to get... Tried and past, failed. Trying to get past Avatar at the box office. Um, They're $26 million short as of this week. And the, Will they make it? I think I was I was reading an article, one of the trades, and they said that the box office experts say Avatar is so safe. Safe. It's not going to happen. Safe at home. We like that. I worked on Avatar. I want it to be number one. It's very, very important to me that Avatar is $2.78 <laughs> million. If you drive down Hollywood Boulevard, dollars. Robert's picketing on the streets. Right. Don't see Avengers. Don't see Avengers, please. Until it comes on video so that they don't beat the so Avatar. Don't beat but these <laughs> not are, true. As they say, these are good problems to have. So... Uh, we have a big weekend coming up. Yeah, we and have, and Avengers was is is uh, kind of pushing people to it with the the, the bonus footage had a little something about Spider Man in there, uh, Far From Home, which is coming out. Michael Giacchino scoring that, and uh, in the TV world, uh, Stranger Things is coming out with part three. Michael and Stein, Kyle and Dixon, just crushing oh, it. Oh, you're right, and uh, great, great buzz on Stranger Things three. You always hope that. A third season of a show is going to be strong and cool. And the word on Stranger Things 3, I actually read this morning, it may be the best season yet. And they, do they have like a crossover with Nike, their shoes? I mean, they're blowing this thing up. Stranger I I, Shoes. <laughs> Polaroid is re-releasing uh, a Polaroid camera. It's like the Stranger Things edition. Oh, that's I wonder great. if everything comes out upside down or something. Oh, very nice. And if not, it should. Speaking of upside down, we have an upside down world coming up with the world underneath in us, which was pretty incredible. And that was a decent transition. Uh, I'll give you, you that one. It. It's a segue. I'll give you that one. Tethered. I've tried to work the word tethered into it. Those of you who actually seen judges, us, bad okay. transition. Well, you know what? I better get out. <laughs>
Oh, he, oh my goodness. Because he's Michael Abels is coming in very soon. We're going to get right back to him after the break. And, That's true. Uh, and ma- make sure, another reminder, stick around after the interview, after the show ends, we're going to play you some examples of Spitfire Audio and how you can sound like the pros. Stick around. Michael Abels is up next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, SCORE fans, it's Robert Kraft. We're back to the show in 25 seconds. If you like what you're hearing, do us a quick favor. Rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. It just takes a second, and it helps the show grow. Hey, thanks. We're going back to the show right now. Welcome back. We are here today and very excited to have Michael Abels on the show. Michael, thank you for coming on Score the Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I've looked forward to this one for <laughs> many, many months. And See, the audience goes wild. The audience goes wild because I'm just... We have a cheery audience. You are... Yeah. I think if, if it was a baseball game, you're batting a thousand. God, your, your film's... <laughs> And your scores are... I mean, truly, note literally. For, note for note, kind of yeah, out, out of you. the park. Um, it's right before we started recording, we were talking about being in a recording studio and listening to takes, and you said that you like another pair of ears in the room because sometimes takes are very similar. And I know that feeling, of course, but I wonder if you've had the experience of not being able to decide between a take that you did. Oh, sure, because you, you know, I don't want to have to go back and listen to them. And my sense of the two takes would be, wow, they're both really good. And so if there's another good set of ears in the room, I'm just asking, I'm like, what'd you like out of of number two or number three? And who is, for you, is there a very uh, obvious other set of ears? Confidant, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, first I would say the orchestrator. Oh, good. Because, yeah. he or she's like invested in the music and knows the music and has been in, been in that situation a bunch. Correct. Um, so that would be my go-to, but it's anybody, it's anybody who's got the set of ears to go to listen to two exact takes and say that one. Now, if it's not just a musical question, but an emotional one, is Jordan Peele in the room? And is he someone you would turn to to say, did one of those feel more appropriate? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, it's... It's great to know that every note's played perfectly, but it's really about the emotion. You know, that's what everyone in the audience is listening for, and that's what the director is listening for. So, you've mentioned if, in a couple interviews that he has an, a unique sense of understanding emotion in music, not necessarily the musical part, but you kind of lean on him for figuring out what he finds scary. And it, it, to you, it, you're like, that's not that scary, but uh, <laughs> he has a way to to make things feel scary that maybe you shouldn't be. Well, absolutely. I mean, I think that's part of what we're figuring, what we're as an, as an audience discovering that his brand is, is he can take something that's very, that is a wonderful, sweet memory for you or I and put it in a context where that ru- it's ruined forever, <laughs> but in, in a very fun way that you have to, uh, 
you know, it, uh, like I think one of those, I mean, just visually, one of those is rabbits. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> right? Why'd you have to remind me? I know. And I just said, uh, I mean, I don't even, I don't usually, it's so funny. I don't ask him about the, what everything means. And he, you know, I love reading fans, uh, you know, anal, an, the analysis that fans go through is super fun for me to read. But even though I, you know, I, I don't ask Jordan because, um, part of it's because, you know, my job is to just as, as much as the actors are so good at depicting the emotion as it happens. And as you would really think they were experiencing that my job is to use my art to have that same spontaneity. You want the feeling to happen in the music as if it's happening in real time. So a lot of times when they're afraid, it's because they don't know what the heck is going on. So how is me asking and knowing, you know, that's not going to contribute to me doing a better job necessarily. That's a really interesting point of view. You're also sort of suggesting that you are the audience. You know, why are these rabbits here? It, the composer may be asking in a strange way the same question. Oh, you for don't sure. know either. For sure. I, fe- I feel like I am the first audience. Or I mean, I think all the people on the production team are the first audience. And uh, I also remember reading, and I now can't remember, a lot of the rabbits online uh, theories I can't remember one of them, but I thought, oh, I didn't realize that. So he's using rabbits because whatever they were. I, I, that was one I asked him after I read the script. I just said, what's with the rabbits? And he just said, they scare me. That works. <laughs> right? Would you like to right? explain to our audience? I assume everyone listening to Michael today knows the reference to the rabbits. But in Michael's own words, would you tell us your memory and feeling about that film, which film it's in, and where the first scene is where a rabbit appears? So it, the film we're talking about is Us. Mm-hmm. And the first scene we see the rabbits in is actually uh, a scene that is also the main, musically is the main title for the film. And it's one long continuous shot for the entire main title. And uh, I don't know if I should explain it anymore. <laughs> I think that that works. And then it kind of... Let's just say that the button near the end of the movie is it goes from one rabbit. Somebody's doing the official version of my interpretation of this cue, which I... <laughs> well, we all want us to hear you say. Yes, because I, 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 I cover this cue. <laughs> um, Let's hear it. If you ever need, if you need vocalists, we're uh, we're free on Fridays. But there's we'll something call, we'll call you. <laughs> this cue, which we've listened to, and we spent some time yesterday listening. Carol, who is in the room with us today, we both, she and I, detected different sources, inspirational sources. She said, "I hear some gospel changes," and I said, yeah. "I hear some Gregorian." And I don't know, you would now be able to say, as the composer, first of all, whatever it is, this, we're our what is we're, it? We're our let's let's what, just ask, it? what it's is scary it? scary as shit. <laughs> whatever they're singing. Good. You want to tell us first why the choir, what the choir is singing? All right. So, it, so Jordan, so far the process has been with him that he likes hearing music as part of pre-production. You know, he feels like, um, you know, I think he wants 
he considers sound design and music design as a part of getting the world of the film, mm. um, which makes sense to me, you know. And I, I like being feeling like I'm part of the team instead of you know in the dark by myself at the end, you know. Um, so he just said, "Show me the script for us," and said, "So obviously it's about duality. So give me some ideas of like." maybe instruments that don't belong together or things like that. And that was just the, the jumping off point, you know, it's very, um, high concept wherever you want to go. And, you know, and of course the understanding was that it has to be scary as shit, (laughs) (laughs) which was one of the first things he said to me before, before get out. He said, bottom line, it's gotta be scarier than shit. Right. So that's the, that's the program, you know, and then I go off and I just do stuff and I know because he likes, really outside music that I'm not gonna he's not he's not gonna come back and go what is this you know if anything he's gonna go this doesn't scare me <laughs> wow you know mostly if I'm gonna get a note off some some just random music I do he's he's not gonna like the traditional thing he's gonna like something where I just you don't know what I was going for so how great is that right because I know that I can't settle Rare. for right I can't settle for just what what anybody else would like so i really use that as a license to just go you know to just take all the sound libraries and like overturn the book (laughs) the bookshelf and just look and see what there is and look at it like how scary is this sound and how how could this sound be used to terrify people and great things like that so anyway but getting back to the wow yeah i know right exciting It's it's great but getting back to the main title so um, part of it was his, you know, one of his a Jordan Peele inspiration, which is let's t- it, which is always let's take something that people think of as sweet or nice or not scary, a rabbit, and, right, and or like a rabbit, and let's twist it. But in the case of the the, uh, the so the sonic element was children's choir. He thought that using children's voices would be super scary, <laughs> and that's really fun for me. So that that part was his inspiration. Then it was also that the voices were. And are really the sound of the tethered, who we haven't met yet in the film. But it's a sound of them. They're or, they're they're pissed off and they're organizing. I just got a weird goosebump. <laughs> Good, <laughs> just one. <laughs> so what you want to know out of hearing that music is that there's it sounds like someone's you know like there's an organized thing happening, and you know nothing's nothing communicates that I think better than or an organized thing that might end up being a war. A march does that. Hmm. So it was clear to me it had to feel like a march. So I've got – what I've got, I've got children's voices. I've got a march. It also has to be scarier than shit. But it also can't be one particular – here's the thing that's more not in, in so obvious is that it can't be um, – it, it, it has to be kind of multicultural hmm. or it can't be so specifically one culture. Mm. because there's a very important and and funny line in the in the film where uh red uh lupita's uh doppelganger mm-hmm. in response to the question who are you people she cocks her head and smiles a little and says we're americans <laughs> <laughs> and so it it so the music has to be representative in a way that america really is in a way that may be terrifying so rather than just being a straight march it's slowed down that which is nothing jordan says one of the first things he said to me was uh, before get out is he said i want space 
I want silence to be part of the score. And which is just a brilliant thing to say, right? Brilliant. So I'm hiring you to make nothing in certain parts. Yes, which is, you know, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that deliberately what I'm part of my job is. So the march is slowed down. You know, it's slowed down from what a real march would be. And, and the reason is because you hear every word. There's a, the space in between each word becomes part of the march. And then as it develops, I actually put a string. The strings are playing. Um, they're playing eighths, but the accented one is the offbeat one. And you hear it in between each of the words of the chorus so that you really get the sense of how slowly it's marching. And the slowness of it is creepy because it doesn't get faster. And then also what happens is there's the, you know, the beat drops and the beat is really funky and done on drums from every different, there's a Turkish drum, there's Japanese drums, there's every, and there's no, it's not a beat that you'd get in a march. <laughs> and so the idea is to take this very organized and sort of Gregorian sounding because it, it's Gregorian sounding because of the nature of the, the pulse and the nature of the harmonies mm -hmm. and the nature of Jordan had me make up words and there was no, <laughs> we didn't want it to be a secret message necessarily like in, in get out because also that one was Swahili and a specific culture. And we're trying to avoid specific cultures in the, so it sounds Latin, but it's not Latin. It sounds Latin because of the structure of both the syllables I used and the structure of the melody. And so it's surprising how when you use it, it's impossible to make something sound not like a culture. And I can say that because I've actually tried. <laughs> Every culture, at least to our ears, takes on the pattern of its language and the pattern of its harmonies and its traditional music, I think. So your ear is always listening to something with, oh, that sounds like, you know, X. Absolutely. Yeah. But I thought, okay, so it's going to sound this way. But how can I just spin it so that it doesn't sound like anything else that sounds like that? So that's what the, the funky beat So there's out. no word. Those aren't words. No, they're Latin-y sounding, but they're made up. You haven't heard my cover. I, I, <laughs> I actually have learned that. I knew that yours weren't words. <laughs> I've learned that language. I like the way that um, the, the voice is the featured instrument in the Jordan Peele film scores. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, these stories are focused on people and and their stories but was that a discussion early on like the the, the choir is going to be a main part of the scores yeah but maybe not 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 with those words how it came how it came up was i mean back with get out the first conversation we had was about um the main title and what that needed to be like and and it the voices needed to be those of um basically of departed slaves and lynching victims and anybody who's been a victim in a social justice situation. And those voices needed to be warning the lead character, Chris, in Get Out to get out. <laughs> but they're ghosts, so they don't speak it. They don't say get out because ghosts speak to us in, in shadow and dreams and metaphor. So there needed to be a way that they were clearly telling him to get out without it being apparent to your average audience member. So... I ended up choosing Swahili. I guess slaves didn't actually, that wasn't their it was predominant. West, West African. Yes, yes. So that's all, you know. I don't but, think anybody is saying, you know what, I'm leaving this theater right well, now. <laughs> this isn't accurate. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I actually did wonder, but then when it, you know, so I didn't. I mean, I started the film just thinking, this, the idea of this film is amazing. Jordan Peele's the greatest guy ever. 
and both correct. Uh, yes, and I'm going to do this, and I don't, you know, I don't know if it's going to come out. I don't know where it's going. I'm doing this because it's super exciting. And, but then, as it was clear that the film was going to be finished and it was going to be released, I thought this is going to come out like in Nairobi, and and you know, and people are going to be hearing these words and you know, <laughs> writing is, you emails, right? <laughs> so, so it, you know, I was glad that I had done at least the research of knowing that, you know, Swahili was not the slave language and being aware of that. I made that choice because Swahili is a very musical language and I mm. needed some some artistic license. You know, I needed did some, you know what the words meant? I thought I did. But before <laughs> it came out, I actually tracked down a native speaker and said, please tell me that this means what I think it And this does. is the Sikiliza. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Sikiliza. So first they say... Sikilis means listen to the ancestors. Perfect. And then they say, run. Run far away. And they're a little more urgent. It's like they're tapping him on the shoulder. How about run. that harmony? That's an advanced chord right there. And that means protect yourself. This is so cool to hear all this from you. Thank you. And that, ooh, that's my, to me, I I told the singers, that's the blues whale. You're a ghost. And you're African-American. And you're wailing. So it's got to be the blues, but it's got to be freaky. (laughs) So... Let's talk about that recording session. I'd be curious to know how you chose, and then we have to go back to actually. How we totally you ended like up. we've gone. We're in, this is yeah, reverse engineering. We had a structure, and it it doesn't matter because now, this, is, this is way too yeah, fascinating. This is cool. Um, in fact, let's start before that recording session. Can you tell us about the day that you got a call from Jordan Peele, who might have showed up on a voicemail saying, "Hey, man, what's up? How did that happen?" I got a call on a voicemail, but it was not. Was it really? It was yeah, but it was not from Jordan Peele. Oh. It was from the post production supervisor at Plumhouse, um, and I think it started with, uh, uh, "Hey, Michael, you're probably not expecting this call." <laughs> I was going to say because you hadn't done a feature film before, correct? So this isn't like you're not getting these calls all the time, and you're like, "Oh, another movie offer." Yeah, no, and so I. Uh, and you know, but and you don't pick up because, of course, it's, you don't answer. It's L.A. It's the twenty-first <laughs> century. You know, so I got this voicemail message, and I figured, okay, the first thing you do when someone who says they're a producer calls you is you look them up on IMDb, which I didn't <laughs> have IMDb at the time, so I had a friend of mine <laughs> look him up on IMDb. Can I borrow your IMDb Pro? I yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I was like. Hey, I got this call. I need you to check this. Out. So, turns out he checks out. You know. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm probably being punked, but someone has done their their homework, you know. So, of course, I call him back, and he says, "Have you heard of Jordan Peele?" I said, "Yeah," and, you know. He says, "So Jordan Peele's directing his first uh, film for us, and it's a horror movie, and because this was when he was known, you know, for Key and Peele, yes, um, of course, um, almost exclusively, at least in the general public, and." Uh, 
and he said, "Would you, he would like to talk to you about scoring the film, and would you like us to would to send you the script?" I'm like, "Sure." <laughs> and so, if you think about it, so Get Get Out went on to win the Oscar for best original screenplay, right? So, I got what what happened was I got sent the future Oscar winning script. <laughs> Man, alive. That's and it was just as good on paper as it was on the screen. I mean, it was like 90% of what you saw in the finished film. It was Can you, just so When you hung structured. up the phone, did mm-hmm. you did you sit there and, and just have a moment? I mean, that, that must no. have been a weird call for you to get. No, because it's LA. You get calls from producers who say they have things for you like all the time. Like yeah. That happens all the time. I'd like to know what you were doing either that day, that week, or that month so that this call was so random. I mean, if you weren't scoring films, I know that you were composing music. Right. So I, where I, were you at that point in your I travel? was. I was. Um, so my full-time gig was uh, I was head of music department at a private school in Santa Monica, which K-12, which was a cool, very funky place. And we got to had very in the arts with very free reign of mm. teaching and that was a beautiful thing so i was enjoying that and then i also have um have always been an orchestral concert composer mm. and so i've written various um works for orchestra and um some of those have made it to youtube and that was how jordan found me i had you know dozens of hits on my youtube of my pieces <laughs> and one of those was jordan peel amazing yeah and so he Saw that YouTube video. Um, at the time, you were just Mr. Abel's at school. Yeah, Mr. A. Mr. A. Mr. A. At New Roads. Correct. Um, and um, he calls you and sends you the script, and you say, okay, this is cool. Now what? You didn't have representation. You hadn't scored a film. Did he say, those things make me concerned or did he say, this is all good with me, let's just meet and talk? Well, I, so I read the script. I called the producer. I said, this is great. You know, he said, would you like to you know, meet Jordan? I said, sure. So we had lunch. And we didn't talk anything about whether I had an agent or but like that was not. And I mean, I, I would have – that's not what I was expecting either because yeah. he's already – I mean, he's directing a film – and he reaches out to me seemingly out of nowhere to say, come score this film. So he obviously, if he had concerns about things like that, he wouldn't have ever called. I was thinking yeah. that wasn't that wasn't in the context of you had a previous history. Who, you know, how can he a lot of directors are not this trusting and brilliant and insightful. They want to know, <laughs> who can I call to suss you out? It's or, completely, it's, it's completely it's like ballsy, yes. courageous, creative move in his part. Well, the other thing too is he hadn't done a movie before. So some would wonder, you know, would you go after a composer that had done this on the feature film? Because you guys are well, both going into this together yeah. as your first film. Well, he... He said that he kind of thought that that was a cool thing. Nice. Which, you know, he wouldn't have ever called me if he didn't think there was something interesting about that. But I also thought, I mean, we had this, we had lunch and had this great conversation about what, what, what is scary in sound and, and, and music. And he, you know, get out was such a clear concept. We had that talk that I told you about the, about the, the departed slaves and the ghost voices. We had that talk at our first meal. And I said, well, I think kind of, he said, I want the African-American voice to be present, both um, 
metaphorically and literally in the score. And that goes back to what you were saying about the, did you talk about a choir? Um, he said he wanted voices. And he said, but the thing about most African-American music is it's got, it's, there's a thread of hope that goes through it. Isn't that a, a smart thing to say? And I'd never thought of it that way. But when he said it, I thought, that's true. <laughs> and he said, but you got to drain the hope right out of it. I'd want there to be no hope. So I said, I think no. what you're, yeah. You're kidding. No, because he said, yeah, because he had said, yeah, because he started with saying, bottom line is it has to be scary, scarier than shit. That was the almost the first thing out of his mouth. And so I said, well, I guess what you're, kind of what you're looking for sounds like gospel horror. And he said, he said, yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was my, you know, like, remember with us, I said the concept is duality and things that don't belong together, you know. With Siki Lisa, that was, the, that was the high concept that we started with. And so he didn't even ask me to do a demo. But... I said, oh, I'm doing you a demo <laughs> because I knew the minute, the minute that he got back to wherever he was going, the producers of the film would say, now, Jordan, you can't hire your little internet friend to score your first <laughs> film. <laughs> you know, that's not how we make movies. So, <laughs> so I, had to have some, I had to have something for him to show people who said, you know, you know, money's on. We fire this guy now before we hire him, you know. I had to have something for him to go, no, wait, what about this? You know? So I wasn't part of those discussions, but he hadn't even shot the film at that point. You know, he was, he was in pre-production and they were going to go shoot it. So they shot it and I did that music and I did, you know, I did that. There was two pieces I did in that recording session. Were they two film or just in the blind? Oh no, there, there was no film. I mean, I had to explain to the, oh. I, the whole explanation I just gave to you, but I had to give that explanation to the singers. Oh, Everything I told you, I told the singers in only a little more detail because there wasn't any more. There wasn't any more detail, and we just did it based on this is the concept. And so I sent that to Jordan, and he liked it, and um, he went and edited the film. And you know, we didn't talk for months. But then when he was ready to show it to me, um, Siki Lisa was the main title, and so I thought, okay, well, this must have been the thing that got me not fired to this point. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, he obviously, the, the people, you know, it was clear, like all the, the key people in production thought, oh, you know, this could be, the, you know, this works with this movie and we get that he likes this. So I, I want to sort of put a disclaimer over this entire story, which is something like this never happens. <laughs> um, and yet here it not only happened, it was so superb. What resulted? In other words, everything you've described is don't try this at home. Isn't it? Uh, Isn't it? Don't call somebody that right. you see on YouTube. Don't call your internet friends. And don't call your little sky. internet friend, which is an incredible description <laughs> did of the work. Did he say how he found your YouTube video? Well, no, but so he said he wanted the African-American voice literally and figuratively in the film. And it, Get Out is a story about a young African-American male who goes to meet his white girlfriend's parents in upstate New York, or it's implied that it's upstate. And, um, and this, oh, the friend of mine who I asked to look up the producer on IMDb said, he read that description, he said, oh, I, I don't see how that could be a horror movie. And I said to him, oh, I can. <laughs> 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 and you see, and that, I think, is why Jordan wanted to try hiring me 
because I'm a person without meeting him who could understand that that's the setup for a horror movie. I think you share that <laughs> instinct with a character in the film. Well, yeah. Our see, TSA agent yes, says, Rod hey, the, man. Don't write. <laughs> Maybe I'm the composer version of Rod the TSA agent. We're but, the T-S-A. We yeah, handle our business. We, we handle shit. We handle shit, right. <laughs> oh, God, one of my favorite moments. Yeah. So, and, and when you see my YouTube videos, the, the one, at least the one that Jordan saw is this piece called Urban Legends, and it's for string quartet and orchestra. And but what it's got, it was it was commissioned by this amazing group called the Sphinx Organization, which promotes uh, Black and Latinx people in concert music. And so, what Jordan saw, besides hearing my music, what he saw was an entirely Black and Latinx orchestra performing music by an African American composer. And it's the it's the statement of that. Combined with the music, and that piece is kind of angular. It's still. I have a clip of it here. Oh. Mm. So here, you hear. You know, influences of, of rock, you hear influences of jazz, you yes. hear there's Afri actually African drums doing the, the beat there. Um, also, Badap is a European kind of yeah, exactly. phrasing. And, but, oh, and then. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you. Oh, it's so lovely. Thank you. Harmonies and are amazing. Thank you. But nothing like Get Out, right? Like nothing like That's it. what I was going to say. That's right. Is, so it's still amazing that he wanted to reach out to me, but. It's really, I mean, I think what's remarkable is most directors want to hear their score in your previous scores, which is very frustrating for composers. They say, I've listened to all your music and I don't hear my movie. And you say, because it's. I've written the music for other movies. Mm -hmm. So for him to hear this piece and say, I trust that you can accomplish the vision I want is really, all of it is It's really amazing. remarkable. I asked you and we stopped. And maybe when we come back from a break, yeah. I can get the answer to the singers. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we want to get into a little bit more about us and I got five on it. Stick around. We'll be right back with Michael Abel's. Hey, SCORE fans, it's Kenny Holmes. We're back to the show in just a second. Just a quick reminder, be sure to follow us on Twitter, at SCOREThePodcast. We post a lot of behind-the-scenes videos, and we'll also keep you up to date on who our next guest is. So make sure to go over and follow us now. Back to the show. We're back here in a very, very haunted <laughs> podcast studio with the brilliant Michael Abels. This is like one of the most brilliant things I've ever heard done in a film score, Thanks. by the way. When I first, I didn't really know that, I, I mean, I saw the trailer and the movie takes place in the Bay Area. I was like, oh, they went little loonies. That's clever. But 
that was your music in the trailer too, right? Well, so they did the trailer, and then because the trailer happened and it was such a huge impact, that Jordan wanted to make sure that we honored the trailer. You know, like don't people hate when films, when trailers and the film doesn't pay off with what the trailer promises? Of course. So we had planned that the uh, pas de deux at the end, which is the battle between the two, the doppelganger and the correct main character, was going to be a horror twisted version of the pas de deux from the Nutcracker. And, yeah, and that's what was in the script. And I had mocked that up. I was all ready to do that. But Jordan then really, when the trailer dropped, then we thought, well, we, we have to, you know. And, and it was clear that, that that was the scene. The the pas de deux at the end was where that was going to be. And so um, you hear what you just heard. There was the beginning of the cue that goes, in, which is in the film, which is that it starts. And, and what's great is that. So that song, I think it was in the script, like, when we first hear the song, it's part of an, a scene that's in the exposition where the family's in the car. Right. It comes on the radio. Right. And it comes on the radio. And it's this great – it's such a great choice because it, it's music that was, for the parents, music they grew up listening to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they're sharing that with their kids. And so in the interaction they have, it's really a great way for us to get to know the family. And each family member participates in that little scene and you – you hear how they interact, and then what does the, "I got five on it" mean? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and the daughter says, "It's about drugs," and the father goes, "It's not about," dr-, which of course is not really true. But he right. as the, is the dad, and he can't just like let that go <laughs> unchallenged. He's like, "It's a dope song. Don't do drugs." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but you learn about all the characters. You know, that's and Jordan picked all that out. But then, of course, in his way, you got to take something that's in one context and twist it. So that's where that idea came from. So then in the pas de deux, which we had been cutting to Tchaikovsky, um, in fact, in the, I think in the DVD or Blu-ray that's coming out, you can see the, um, one of the great edits that Nick, the editor, did of the, the, pas, the pas de deux, the, the battle that's done to the Tchaikovsky with an edit that uh, wow. the choreographer and I worked on an edit actually of the Tchaikovsky and how we're going to – because it's a little long and we were going to like – like this was the whole plan, and there was a lot of time. But then it was like, you know what? Jordan's like, it's gonna be, it's gonna be five on it. Got to do it. I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> so, so, and then, then I realized as I was doing, I thought, look, it's got, it's really. First of all, it's sampled from "Why You Treat Me So Bad" by Club Nouveau from the '70s. So that's actually where the music's from, and the the themes of that have. Um, there's a bass line and there's a melody, but the bass line's really a melody in itself. Mm. So really, it's this duality that Jordan was talking about from the very beginning. There's, there's, a, there's one melody line in the bass and then it's answered by a melody line in the treble. And so how I began it, and, and you start, I said the two characters are beginning to face off and you know they're going to face off, but they're just kind of circling each other. So what I do is I use the space which goes back to the silence thing. That's what I was about. I to use mm-hmm. the si- the space, you know, like in the in the regular track, they happen in a predictable way. But all I do is I move the space so that you can't tell. You know the answer is coming, but you can't tell if it's before you think 
or after you. You can't it, nod your head to it. You're like, right. Yeah, well, where'd it go? I was <laughs> trying, when I just heard it, and not to get too arcane about it, I was thinking, is this nine? There's a big, you know, it's not boodoom, dee, 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 click, 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 It's spaced out with unpredictable right. and chunks it's, of it's territory. Right, and it's not even. Each one is different. Each and I wonder. It's just kind of all over the place. Yeah, each one's different. Is and, it two picture that makes it that way? Yeah, did you move them to the scene? A little bit, but the but the goal wasn't to have it be if you did it where, you know, first you see one character and you hear the bass and then you did, like that wouldn't have played. It can't be that obvious. Sure. It would have been like a music video or something. Yeah, it had cheesy. it had to be it's it's really about sonically without seeing the picture, it's sonically about this unpredictability thing. Unpredictable. Because you see the characters circling each other and that's you know they're going to hit it. You just don't know when or how. You mentioned at and one point. And the same thing with the music. The choreographer, mm-hmm. who, if I'm not mistaken, was Madeline Hollander. Yes. Who I've known since she was zero. Wow. And got, That's a story. It, how about the fact that I've never connected until this moment um, that you must have worked with her? I did. She's awesome. And she, not unlike you, was a classical choreographer in New York and modern contemporary for, who had not done film. And was brought in. So, um, what was it like working with a choreographer on this particular scene? Did you were you on the set? I, I got to be on the set. Some it was my first time on a on a set. And oh, and where was, was like, it shot? Well, so we, I, the, if it was the, just the, um, it's, there's not a simple answer to that because when you watch the pas de deux, it's actually you see both the you see the dancer, you see young Adelaide, who who is the is the character that Lupita plays. Right. You see her on a stage in a theater, mm-hmm. and that was shot at the Wilshire Ebell nice. Theater, here, yeah. which is actually not that far from my place. So I got to just like just go up the couple. Just of gonna walk and, down to the, the yeah, 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 yeah. Hang out at the grab s- a Starbucks and then head over to exactly, set. yeah. But um, but then also you see you see the same character in the underpass. Yes, and I wasn't on set, even though Madeline and I, Madeline and I, we talked about the uh, choreography. I wasn't on set for Underpass, so I, I don't know where they shot that. Yeah, but, interesting. Um, but she, you know, because she's she's danced the prima ballerina in the Nutcracker before, so she knew all the bal- like the official balancing choreography. So when we would cut um, parts out of the Tchaikovsky, which is you know, I felt. I, I, I'm sorry, Peter. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's spinning right now. <laughs> no, I, we tried. We tried to do it lovingly, but anyway, uh, she would say, "No, you know, this part." Is, she had the very specific, and then she would work these sort of tethered, screwed up versions of that choreography for the character in the underpass, who is tethered, and that was really fascinating. And so, the, the entire our edit of the Tchaikovsky, probably two thirds of the Tchaikovsky was entirely choreographed and entirely shot by Jordan. And then you, but you see it when it's finally in the movie, you see flashes of it. You don't really see the whole thing. And then now the Tchaikovsky's not part of it, so you hear five on it and the in it it's it was an amazing journey that the scene took. But you know, it's all that's what you do when you're in a creative collaboration. You're on a journey and you you trust the leader of your journey that you're going to get to the right place, and we got there. So. I um, wonder if it's the same basic – the leader, does he have a team now from get out to us that's similar, a, a kind of posse that's making films with him? 
Well, he's he's or using. Or did he change up? He, it's both. Okay. There and I also think that he's, um, he, you know, he's in, he's a producer and he's involved. Jordan is involved in many different projects right now. Yeah. And he's got a he's got a production company, and I didn't meet. I don't know how many of them were on board before Get Out. Sure. Um, but now I've met more of them, and they're all. But I, I at least several of them are people that he's worked with on other projects. I was I just wondering if there's a music editor, an editor around Jordan, well, a cinematographer that kind of sometimes directors who do this level of work that's so exceptional, film to film. They have a little yeah. family that works with them. Each of the because they clearly have you. The, so it's the them. same music editor, Snacky Pierce, nice. uh, for Get Out and us, and yeah. he's great and extremely knowledgeable, extremely detailed, very passionate about music, and just a great guy. So I loved being able to work with him. Um, each of the people, it's not the exact team of Get Out, but each of the people who who did us, but yeah. each of the people, I think in in the in most of the crafts, were people who had worked with Jordan before, I think. Yeah, sure. That's good. We can't let this singer question go because we often get tweets that say, you know, you started a question an hour before and you never answered it. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know just a little bit, for both scores, the physical production nature. Where you recorded, Mm -hmm. what size orchestra for either one, Mm -hmm. and who the singers were. Are they straight up L.A. session cats? Were they your friends that you worked with? Your students, maybe? And there's probably a variety of answers for both scores. Yeah, there's different answers. So the singers for Get Out were... That's not Get Out. No. (laughs) Actually, I just was inspired to do a little singing at that moment. I had nothing to do with anything. I just was, you know, thought, please continue. (laughs) You're keeping that sound effects alive. Yeah. (laughs) Where was I? You were saying the singers for Get Out. Yes. So they... uh, (laughs) Which inspired me. uh, They are uh, friends of mine who who have become even better friends of mine. Uh, who I met through a great group called the Selah Gospel Choir, mm-hmm. which is a um, a non-denominational gospel choir based here in Altadena or Pasadena, California. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew I wanted a gospel choir, mm-hmm. and I I had um, I knew their music director at the time, and he would um, he would contract some of the key players from the choir who were capable of doing session work and had experience doing that, he would would contract them for gigs. And so I had hired them to sing on another song that I did one time just because I wanted that sound. So I knew them. So I said, uh, we got a gig. (laughs) And I recorded the vocal for that. um, And all the background tracks were just me and my studio. And I just, we went to a studio, went to Hobby Shop Studios in Highland Park. Lovely. And there was um, eight of them. And we sang Siki Lisa and... So your voice is in there? So, no, I'm, I'm, my voice is not in there. Oh. I would say we because I just feel like I'm part of Are the they, team. Just but, out of curiosity, did they read a chart? Did you sing the oh, yeah. pitches? Yeah, oh, yeah. They're readers? Oh, no. It's all, it's all written out. Yeah? Yeah. That's the, and that's the challenge of working with a gospel choir. Correct. Is that in gospel music... The beautiful triadic harmony, 
people grow up just hearing that. And there's this, I'm reminded of this amazing Bobby McFerrin video where he creates a pentatonic scale with, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a TED talk, I think. And he creates a pentatonic scale with a, just with his body and having singer, having, having the audience yes. sing a pitch. He teaches them the pitch. Fantastic. I've and, seen and, it. and it happened, it's like magic. And it, it, and it, I don't even remember the point he makes out of that. <laughs> so I may be making a different point than he made, or I may be making the same one. But but the the point was kind of how universal music is, and that to me it's the pentatonic scale and how much we hear it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter whether you're black and born in the black church or not. Just there's something about a pentatonic scale. So, but if you are born and grow up in the black church, the pentatonic scale is is how all of that harmony is arranged. And you just learn, like, like the, the leader of a gospel choir can teach the soprano part to the sopranos, and the tenors and the altos will just join in, and it'll be correct. Right. <laughs> so when you have that kind of musical shorthand, reading music is not a thing, or it's not a thing that's you know worth not being in the choir because of. So here I have this gospel music that's supposed to be gospel horror. So it's got some nasty harmonies in it and they have to be right. So I have to find a gospel choir that'll have that sound, but can also read and, and you know, not be thrown off by that. So um, knowing that group of singers was really key to me being able to produce that sound because Fantastic. that's five part harmony, five part t- tight harmony, which is all written out and they sang it great. Wow. And so now they, those singers are, I mean, they have, they have a, um, they're contracting now because as, as, you know, Get Out and Black Panther and other films have really changed Hollywood's perspective on, um, they realize that diversity and profitability are not mutually exclusive. Thank, thank God. You. And thank yes. you, Jordan. So yeah. now they're able to be um, contractors and get more work and do more gigs and and their world is blowing up. And in fact, you know, we're, um, so one thing I've been blessed to do is, um, be able to do get out live to picture. I was just going to ask that. Oh, yes. where can we yeah. see that? Well, so, and, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, so, and where it, uh, the debut was at the Kennedy center oh, last September. Fantastic. With a, with, with the national symphony and a, something like 35 voice, choir that's us that's not that we're not that okay so i'm just gonna keep throwing them out there but as clearly right clearly are you doing more yes so i know i was conducting and that was awesome and thank you 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 didn't get we'll 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 call you about thank you so much but uh so i got to conduct the national symphony at kennedy center and that was just fantastic two picture two pictures with a click in your with a click in my ear at the ever Kennedy do it Center. in L.A.? Has anybody talked about that? Well, so the next gigs are going to be, there's one in San Francisco. Great. On October 30th. Mm-hmm. And we're getting, and they're getting the original singers to come and do it. So, oh, and we also do, we do all the, we do all the source music live. We do, so you're going to hear, run, rabbit, run. You're going to, oh. we're going to do that live. Right. We do um, the Childish Gambino song. Fantastic. I would do that live, and then y'all, we're even going to do. I've had the time of my life. <laughs> it's so funny. Please so, come to L.A. or I yes. will. I will fly up. I, I was thinking I would come okay. up for that. Too. It's also in Chicago on uh, on September twenty first. Mm. When was the San Francisco one? 
San Francisco is October 30th with San Francisco. Oh, and ha- just before Halloween. I know. That's going to be great. That's going to be great. Fantastic. So uh, that was for Get Out. Get Out. Yeah. And for us, you said you had different singers and yes. different orchestra. So for, I want to go back to Get mm, Out. You okay. said they just recorded two tracks that you'd made. Yeah. Did you then replace those tracks with orchestra? Well, so when I started Get Out, and it was Jordan's first film, and it's a Blumhouse film, I had, n- I had no expectation that there'd be any money for you know real yeah. players. And, and was, except, you know, you have to, I hired that choir, you know, that, that was necessary. Sure. All the backing tracks, you know, library. Um, and Jordan kept saying, oh, you know, at some point, I'll, you know, we'll see if there's some money somewhere. And the producers were saying, there is no money. Don't, you know, he's the director. That's nice. But there's no money. So don't. So, you know, I thought, and I was fine with that from the beginning. But then Universal picked up Get Out and decided to dis- distribute it because Blumhouse has a, a deal with Universal where yeah. Universal can choose to do that. Mm-hmm. And so then the conversation went from stop talking about when, you know, stop talking about live instruments to when is your session scheduled? <laughs> and I felt like that's I that's music to your ears. Yeah, except I felt like I had missed a couple of chapters in the in the in the <laughs> story there, but never the, we were now on chapter 6. And so um <laughs> so uh we sweetened with strings, which we did with um did with uh, Budapest, Budapest, nice. Budapest Scoring Orchestra. They yeah. did a great job. Um, th- but it, but in Sikiliza, I mean, I had the bases double the bass line because we could, but it's still mostly... Boom, boom. I'm just, doing, you, I'm just triggering <laughs> random. I'm thinking of random bass <laughs> no, lines. These are long, that you have written. long, sustained. Yeah, it sounds like five thing. pounds of cheese. Yes. <laughs> it was By the not way, that. I, my ADD is in full effect, and I'm just kind of, things are mentioned. He's vibing right now. Yeah. It wasn't so, what you were talking about. It's just something I was thinking, and it came out. Please all continue. Right, all right. So yeah. these were long, sustained notes, which Thank go you. with Siki Lisa. So yes. they, they did that. But it's really all of the, all of the, um, there's sort of a there's an oud part which is played like it all it came I came out of because I didn't it was the middle of the night you know, I'm doing the like you do you're doing the demo it's the middle of the night I'm going through my libraries and I thought what I need is a dobro well I had every instrument in the world except the dobro and I, and I just like head smack right so I don't know what a dobro is and so a dobro is a um um what it's a guitar like instrument yeah. it's a cent- it's in the guitar family it's a little twangier sounding. Correct. And it's often like a you, banjo kind of? No, it's more like a guitar, but it's twangier sounding and it's often played with a slide. And you've heard it all the time. You just haven't been aware that it was a lot of Nashville than a tracks, a lot of yeah, kind of yeah. Southern California. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Now, when you go and you listen, you go, oh, that. I've heard it. You, know, you, you, hear, you hear Dobro all the time. You just probably think it's guitar. And you so, often don't score horror movies and wake up thinking, I need a Dobro, but clearly here. Well, I did because, see, because Siki Liza, part of what Jordan said, part of what he, he's, he's so smart about what is scary, right? And so at the beginning of Get Out, he told me, you know, one thing that's scary, he says, I'm a city boy, and so one thing that scares me is the country. The country's scary. Now, I, when, when I was a little kid, I was raised by my grandparents in a farm in South Dakota. So for five, only till the age of six, but still, you know, like I've been, I've lived on a farm, and I'm not scared of farms. <laughs> but to hear him say that, and his lead character in Get Out is a city boy, right? Yes. So the country's scary. And, it's, and so, of course, the music 
So in, in in Get Out, you see him, you see the lead character in the car going through these you know beautiful trees on the, in the on the freeway or the, as he's going to uh, to upstate or wherever. But what is he feeling? It's supposed to be beautiful and it's right. scary. And to him, it's scary because it's the country and he doesn't go to the country. Perfect. So of course, the music that goes behind this gospel secular horror m- movie music has to sound vaguely like Deliverance. Oh, got it. <laughs> you see, so I needed a dobro, but there and? was no dobro, so I had to use an oud and then like bend the <laughs> bend it like there was a slide, which was a horrible uh, cultural. Uh, I apologize. <laughs> we'll to, never to tell. Oud players, I thought you were going to say you called you know local forty seven to say I need oh, a dobro no, no, player no. at four a.m. in the morning. No, 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 no. Um, I saw, and I used what's the other instrument that it's a. Oh, wow. I can't believe I'm blanking on the name now. It won't come. A world music stringed instrument? It's an or African American? stringed instrument. And, but I, and it's that not. griots play? Like a. Yeah, um, well, yeah, but it's not a. So the word that's coming to me is koto, but that's a Japanese. That's Japanese. Instrument. And it's the instrument that was played by a famous guy. Um, I know the instrument you're talking about, I believe. And we're going to have that for you. Shortly. Yes, and everyone at home right now is doing yeah. is going. It's a everyone's screaming. I could at sing the, random cues. <laughs> we'll be Michael back with Abel's. Final Jeopardy. Um, I can't believe that I forgot the name of the instrument. Um, but the the thing about it was that I actually didn't know that it was an African instrument at the time oh, that perfect. I chose it, and you ended up using it. And I ended up using it, and then so anyway, so that, someone will tweet it to us. They will. African stringed instrument. Our research assistant. It's plucked. We'll have it. It's plucked. It's plucked, and it's um, played. I'm I'm curious because you. Ry Cooter made an album with the master of this instrument, and I used a cue from it. And we're going to figure it out in um, another film in a bathroom scene with Adrian Lyne in the movie Unfaithful. So, wow. ran- random information wow. coming out. Um, but Ry Cooter made a duet record using that instrument. Please continue. I was just going to ask, you know, this this process now, you've done two movies, they've been hits, your score is loved and people are excited, but when you came into this world, this was all new to you, and now that you've gone through two films, what what have you taken away from being a, a big studio composer <laughs> out of nowhere? Um, is it Was it challenging? Did you love it? Was it fun? I mean, can you talk about just like what it means to you to now be in this film composer world. Because you're working with Spike Lee now. This door has opened for you, and um, you're, you're getting calls now for this. Well, it's, I mean, the short answer is it's really amazing and gratifying. And, and um, I've, I've always been a composer. I've always wanted to be a composer, and I wanted to be able to support myself writing music. And now I'm able to do that, and that's been a long time coming. So... That's amazing. And I feel like it's, it's, um, it's challenging, it's exciting, it's beautiful, it's stressful. It's, it, the, thing that you, the thing that I've been – how can I even explain this? Like you're, you're expected to be incredibly creative and you're expected to be on deadline. And you're also expected to be your overall, you're a cog in a wheel and you have, and you're one of the very creative cogs and you're a key cog, but you're a cog. And that balance is a really interesting thing to have to, you know, um, 
mostly you think of artists as being, you know, in their ivory tower or in their in their artist world, which doesn't match other people's, but you just kind of have to accommodate because they're artists. That doesn't work in film at all. <laughs> you have to be all those things that an artist is, and you have to do it on schedule and on deadline. You can't have any ego about it. I mean, you there are so many times you just have to give up what ego would tell you to do or tell you how to react. You have to, you have to constantly not let the, the ego choice drive how you respond. I think it's one of the most articulate descriptions really of of the composer's gig. Yes. Because, because we certainly know and composers are artists and they didn't, uh, start saying let me be a composer and ask everyone else their opinion on what i write (laughs) and yet you end up in a room yeah where you not only have to ask everyone's opinion you have to accept it and maybe modify your own instinct around the opinion of people you hope you respect not always the case and it isn't interesting you've just described it a balance because you to be creative to to have a voice you have to no, you have to know your own instinct about what makes good music. You know, the, you never play anything for anyone else before you think it's good, mm-hmm. and so that means you've, you're you're invested in it in, to some level because th- that you have to listen to your own voice. You know, there's a voice in your head that goes, "Well, that sucks," and you have to turn that voice off. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you have to <laughs> get to something where you can say, "No, that's good," <laughs> in response to that voice. So you do that, and you write a piece, and then and and getting to where you know how to do that takes ego. You can't, if you don't think you can write music, you're right. You know, there has to be part of you that goes, this is good and this works and here's why. And if you can't, I mean, I've told students, you know, you have to, I I have told college students, I've said, you know, silence is great. So why should you break the silence? (laughs) Like, if you don't have an answer to that, you should not be writing music because silence is really good. I, so first of all, it's interesting. You have been the first composer I think we've had that's mentioned the value of silence. Ah. I think silence is one of the most essential elements of any film score. It's not appreciated enough, particularly in this day and age where people want wall-to-wall noise. What happens if they get bored? And silence of any genre, horror is where silence lives. Oh yeah, the most beautiful life of terror mm-hmm. um so you're mentioning it is so valuable so really incredibly wonderful that you well, appreciate you. it there's thank one you. other thing that i wanted to bring up before we uh before we go jordan peele got advice to keep you on us from steven spielberg can you believe that <laughs> Um, I, I believe he said something like, you got to keep him. It's like John Williams with me. Um, how did you find out about that? And, and what was, what was going through your mind when you heard that? Well, <laughs> so, um, how can I, how can I tell this story? So one thing about Jordan that I've noticed and really respected is that he never, um, he never gossips. And what I mean by that is he never, you know, if he gives me notes, I, he gives me notes and it's not about, and, I, and if that note has come from someone else, that's never shared with me and it's never impacts how he speaks about what the note is. Mm-hmm. He just absolutely does not gossip in any way. Mm-hmm. And 
I just really admire that <laughs> about him. Um, the only time that he's done anything that could be said to be speaking about someone else was one time when he told me that Steven Spielberg called him <laughs> and he was excited enough to want to share that with me, you know, and, and, and it was because Spielberg called him and, and apparently per what Jordan said, you know, want, was calling to talk about get out and to like, not just say good job, but to just really like dissect the film with him and say, mm -hmm. you know, what were you thinking here? And what, you know, how, you know, this, how you came up with this was so great. So uh, for him, you know, a first time filmmaker to be called by Steven Spielberg and want an analysis <laughs> was stunning. That's and, insane. Right. And so he told me that and he, you know, he was really but I, flattered. And then, Spielberg and then he said, the he said, the reason he called me to tell me was he said that, Spielberg mentioned the music and that he had told Jordan that he should stick with me and golly I know what did you just fall down right there or <laughs> I, I think that's just the the you know kind of medal to take home that's the trophy Steven Spielberg for sure, has for sure. so far he's one for one in picking composers so uh, to have him Say, oh, in addition to Maestro Williams, another guy that I respect and like his music is Michael Abrams. I know, I That's, know. It's really fabulous, Michael. And to think in some ways, I think the most stunning part is it's not you were doing this since you were seven years old and you were scoring your, you know, in ninth grade you scored your friend's film and in college you went to every... It's an intersection of a filmmaker and a composer at sort of maybe peak creativity gosh thank you it's well, one plus one equals three well it, you know the the part of what you just said about me not i mean i've been a composer since the ages that you described you right. know and and i went to school to be a composer and i scored student films you know so oh. those are things i did but yeah. you know when you don't when you uh, i didn't get any traction <laughs> in doing that I just, and after a while you think, well, you know, I'm obviously, I'm mistaken. <laughs> that That's I, humility, because not everybody after a while says I'm mistaken. Some people just don't get the message. And, and how do you know which is which, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was still a com and always a composer, but it was because I was getting traction in the concert hall, you know? Like, that's where that's wonderful. people were responding to my music. So, um, anyway. Whatever but, happened to... Your teaching career. I was going to say, are you still hold? Mr. A? Are you the coolest guy at school now? Or? <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't uh, in the last year. I haven't taught in the last year. Yeah. And no, you have. It's just not in a classroom. Ah, well, I um, I went back to visit last month, and there's a there's a music festival that we uh, I still say we at the school that we have every May and it's a, it's all afternoon. All the kids from different ages get up and they, all the bands play and things. So I went back for a little and that was awesome to see that happening and see kids who I had known when they were, even though it's only been a year, you know, especially the middle schoolers, you know, they, in a year they can be completely different. So it was mm -hmm. great to see them um, and continuing with their music. And one song, I, one song I had wanted to teach them, but I'd never been able to pull off was Bohemian Rhapsody. Nice. I loved doing, I loved doing epic See, and I, I worked a lot. I was head of the department, but I worked a lot with the middle school because 
it was clear to me early on that that's where you really got to get down into the nitty gritty is mm. in the middle school with the music, you know? <laughs> so I would send, I sent myself to the middle school. And so we would do like, we did live and let die one year and we did, <laughs> and I rented a gong and they like the little, the drummer, when he saw that he was going to get to play this gong, it was like he had died and gone to heaven. Right. Like he was like living to just right at that moment and live and let die. Wham! Right on the gong, you know? So moments like that. Oh my gosh. I, I will remember those forever. But I never got to do Bohemian Rhapsody, um, in part because it's very hard to explain to people at that age, okay, you're going to have to learn the song. It's going to take you three months. It's like, there's like five, ten different parts. It's hard to get their buy-in. But then the movie has come out this, you know, in, since I've left school. So now they all want it. You know, so I got to see the middle schoolers do Bohemian Rhapsody. They did a great job. And, um, very so cool. you can tell, yeah, I, I, I have great memories of it. And it's also... Um, it's it's still a part of me, and I don't know how that is being expressed. But uh, and the future is long. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think mean, I, even St- Steven Spielberg just announced he's doing a horror show. Really? Yeah. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> and I think a closing, <laughs> appropriate closing moment would be Galileo. Galileo. <laughs> I was a little sharp when, on that. Are you doing? Maybe you can open for uh, his concert in know. San Francisco. <laughs> if we want tomatoes, on you, stage. Can, you know, you can maybe be part of the Spielberg yeah. horror. Festival. I've never really spent time performing on this podcast. I think today is a hu- you've inspired me. It's a huge. Departure. This has been such a cool conversation. Yes, ah! <laughs> and the audience this goes wild. Wow. Crowd, it really has been, and um, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear what's next and see what's next so. anything you can share i don't think so okay we like that <laughs> that's we a like, good sign you know what it's <laughs> mysterious so it, it, if you say i'm not doing anything then i'd rather hear you say i'm not allowed to talk about yeah. it that means yeah, it's yeah. something yeah well if you say yeah. i'm not doing anything the phone will light up with hey you've got time in your calendar we've got a film because i'm sure <laughs> that's happening michael thank you so much my Thank pleasure. you so My much pleasure. for Absolutely. sharing everything. Absolutely. And a reminder to our listeners, follow us on Twitter at Score the Podcast. Rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It's called a Cora. The instrument is a Cora. That's a Cora. And it was Ali Farka Touré and Rai Cooter made that record. We got to it right before the end. Thank you. And another quick reminder, stick around right after the show ends for a musical demo from Spitfire Audio. And if you want me to sing on your answering machine or voicemail clearly (laughs) this would be something you might want to consider in the future and you've just had a just a taste i don't always sing what we're talking about but there's something there so don't hesitate to call michael thank you so much thank you we'll see you next week Hey, SCORE fans, we're so excited for the support of Spitfire Audio. They collaborate with people like Hans Zimmer and the Bernard Herrmann Estate to build sample libraries that elevate your music. You're about to hear a musical demo of what that sounds like. And as an exclusive to our fabulous listeners, Spitfire Audio is offering one-third off any product they sell if you use the promo code SCORE. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's me. Just go to SpitfireAudio.com and check out their selection. And remember, this offer is exclusive to Score the Podcast listeners. So take advantage of the deal. It's a limited time offer. Again, one-third off with the promo code SCORE. Here's a quick example of what some of the sounds sound like.
You can get amazing sounds like the ones you just heard and many more now for a third off. A third off the price, just make sure to use the promo code SCORE so they know we sent you. We'll see you next week. Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. What about strange lands and escape from the everyday? It's brilliant, George. Before anyone knew them by name. Who's a good boy, Indiana? 400 grand? Let me explain it. George, that's our money. Blockbuster. Following the spectacular failures. Sir, Sir, are you all right? And the unexpected triumphs. I told you, George. I told you. A six-part immersive audio series. Blockbuster. Experience the entire six-part series ad-free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other platforms.